Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Tractor Zoom, delivering insights. So, if you're looking for a great place to track what's going on in the auction market, see the latest results, but also compare year over year data, check out Tractor Zoom's Iron Comps. It's a great place to uh, get that information. I use it every day to see what's going on in the marketplace and also kind of trying to predict the future and see trend lines. So, with that, I have Sean Hackett with me from Hackett Financial in Boca Raton, Florida. And Sean is gracious enough to come on once a week and kind of talk about what's going on. And, you know, Sean, I feel like uh, you might be a little bit of my good luck charm here because since you've come on this podcast, there's been no lack of things to talk about. I don't know that we ever had a time where there wasn't something big to happen. So this week has been a, uh, a lot of volatility, mainly to the upside. Um, in big ways. Uh, January report came out on Tuesday and that gave uh, a pretty big glimpse that the USDA just now realized you can't grow corn during a flood and prevent plant means you didn't plant anything. So they just now figured that all out and they they re- back and readdressed everything. So, so Sean, as you take a look at what happened this week, kind of what is your reaction to all that and then how long can the uh, bull keep charging forward? Well, it is nice when they finally get pretty close to the truth, it doesn't happen very often, but when they actually yeah. do, it's time to bring the, you know, the champagne out and, and have, a, have a celebration. Remember, we've been calling for 172 yield on corn going back to last July. Yes, that we did. felt that, that from the August yield of 182, that, that when they finally came to an epiphany and they finally realized what, what they should have realized, that they eventually would find a way to 172. And as you know, they came out with 172. Um, on the yield number for corn, which is not a surprise to us. And it, it's always a surprise that it takes the USDA so long to get there. So, uh, I mean, obviously the mall anticipating it. I mean, they were so far off on their estimates, Casey. It was not even close. Um, and of course, the, the corn market really reacted to that because I don't. I think the lowest yield forecast was 174 and a half. And the correlated grain stocks, I mean, it was, it was probably the biggest miss that I've ever seen from terms of what expectations were to what actually came out from the USDA. So, um, so, so what it means, and I still think they're too high on ending stocks, by the way, still think they're too high. Um, I still think our carryouts are 1.3 ish, which we've been talking about for a long time, not 1.5, but I do believe that the market's much closer to the truth uh, than they were before. And so, so where we are now, we don't, we kind of said, Mid fives would probably be pretty close to the right number if when and when and if the USD got to the right number, and that's where we're at. I mean, that's kind of right. where we're at now. So from here, Casey, I don't really think we can, you know, move you know beyond let's say six dollars just on it's tight in the US. I think we're gonna now now need uh, the second crop corn out of Brazil to have some trouble. And when us, you know, we're just we're just getting ready to plant the crop now behind soybeans and Mato Grosso. So you know, you, you really can't get weather going on corn until probably March. So there's going to be kind of a, a hiatus here, where okay, we're tight. We priced all we priced the the U.S. crop. 
Um, but but we're not going to really be able to get excited about weather, at least on corn, you know, until probably March. And so it's probably a period of just kind of, you know, sideways trade here, you know, kind of up, down, down. But, I, you know, m- maintaining some kind of a $5 handle while the market waits to see how that crop turns out, it absolutely has to make a big crop. Because if they don't, and they don't have all those extra bushels to sell like they did last year, then the Chinese are going to have to come for even more from us when we're starting to really get thin. So that's why that's such a critical piece of the puzzle now is can they have a big second crop corn or not? We don't think they're going to be able to do it, Casey. Our weather work says that the weather is going to be unfavorably dry uh, and it's going to come up short. Doesn't mean a disaster, but it's it's we don't see a top-end crop. And so we do believe that the market as we move into March and that reality sets in that they're not going to have the bin buster corn crop that they need, that the world wants, then I think the market will have another reaction to the upside, but it's probably, we're probably going to be on hold. Let's say with $6 being our top end potential here, just on trading range, but uh, between now and March, until we get that answer. Um, that's the way we see it at least. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit uh, on the drought situation that we see developing here in the U.S., as well as the La Nina that continues to uh, to wreak havoc down in South America. And actually over in, in start looking at the Black Sea regions, there's uh, the the talk of uh, export bar- or export taxes and those kind of things are, are really starting to uh, come to fruition. Typically, you don't talk about that kind of stuff unless you really want to not export things out there so the stress situation worldwide is getting to be a bigger and bigger deal as we head into this this growing season this planting season for uh for the u.s so when you look at the drought map um i feel like they have to invent a new color for the area that i live in but it's uh that drought situation is getting purple i think i don't think you get any more purple than what they got right now but magenta but you, we'll, we'll use magenta i like magenta there you go so as you as you look at what's going on um, things are stacking up to that more than likely across the entire United States, as far as the growing areas go for corn and soybeans, this planting season will be planting in, into uh, a very dry sub soil moisture uh, platform. You, you, we've talked on this program quite a few times and we're looking for the uh, drought index to reach 65 to 70% of the ground ag ground in the U S to be under some form of a moderate to severe drought uh, right now, I believe we're around, um, you know, we're, the, we're like in the low 60s now or upper 50s, depending on what week you're looking at it. But it, it's good. The, we, haven't had, we haven't had that kind of percentage um, of ground in drought since 2012. I mean, and we, so this is a major drought cycle. We're going to be planting and we're going to get out of the gate fast and quick, but we're going to be planting it in just dry soil. And so it's going to be very challenging to get this crop going without, uh, you know, with, with the subsoil moisture being what it is. And of course, last year we were saved at the high heat. At least we had subsoil moisture to keep it going. So it wasn't a disaster. It was a below trend, but not a disaster. We will not have the luxury to draw supplies this year when it gets hot and dry in June and July. And so that means we are quickly going to be moving into stress, strain, and yield reduction on corn much, much quicker, much more severely than we did last year. And so you know, the outlook is for, for, for the, the, the weather uh, and the compromised crops that we've seen in the last 12 months actually getting more broad on a global basis and more severe on a global basis. So it says that although we've had some very, very substantial price rises thus far on some of these supply disruptions and some of this demand we've seen from China, uh, if we're correct about 
the weather that's coming, one would have to believe we're going to get a whole lot tighter, Casey. And that means that prices have not yet uh, factored it all in based upon this overall uh, drought cycle that we expect. The other thing that's starting to drive the wheat market, you know, the winter wheat market, something we've talked a lot about, yeah. uh, that this was a market that had a, an opportunity to break out to the upside. And we are full breakout mode now in winter, yeah. in full breakout mode. Yes, we, we broke are. through six on KC wheat and 640 on Chicago Board trade wheat. We haven't been above those levels in, I think it's a decade. It's been a while. So, so on top of the taxes and the tariff that you talked about that the Russians are putting in so they don't export wheat because they're concerned, we had winter kill event in key China winter wheat that clipped 15 to 20% of the acreage. We're now looking for a uh, winter kill event here over the next week in Ukraine and Russia. And then we're going to have a chance for a winter kill event here later this month in the KC wheat areas, you know, in the, in the, in the plains area. So this is something that we've talked about before in your show. It's a theme about uh, this winter wheat crop went in with very poor stands, very poor condition, very low snow cover because it's been a dry winter and it would be very vulnerable to winter kill risks because more acreage would not have the protective snow cover that it needs to offset some of these colder temperatures that inevitably come in. So, so what are we in a heap of trouble? Um, and it's underperformed up to this point, but it's been our expectation that we would see a rotation away from the corn. I mean, away from the soybean leadership and over to more of the, the wheat leadership. And if you look today, I haven't looked at the prices just yet, but I mean, uh, you know, corn and soybeans were sort of flat to down wheat's up huge today. That's the kind of action we're starting yeah. to see wheat take leadership now. And we think that's going to continue for a while, Casey. We would really keep pay attention to the winter wheat market. That's uh, and of course, a hot, dry spring is not what winter wheat wants when it comes out of dormancy, looking for looking for moisture to to to, to put the yield on. So, yep, yeah, the moisture situation is uh, you know we still got a lot of winter left, and I, I get all that. But when I was uh, I had some friends of mine that that go snowmobiling quite a bit, and if you get up uh, about two or three hours east uh, or west of uh, where I live out out here. Uh, you're up, up in the in the mountains of, my, of Wyoming, and a lot of that runoff water that comes out of the mountains is what the surface irrigation is here for the valley, and there's not a lot of snow up there right now. Snow and, melt, snow pack's going to be really, really light this year. Yeah, so there's going to be some situations that pop up because of that, not just here, but I think across, like we've talked about here, and you you brought it up a million times. Yeah, uh, the drought situation in in the Midwest too is going to be uh, very very strong. So, Sean, good stuff as normal, man. There's uh, a million things going on, and I'm telling you guys, go back and listen to Sean Hackett from back in December of 2018. Right? Is that when you first came on here? Yes, December, December 28. December two to 18. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, and all the way through, and the stuff that you're seeing happen now, Sean's been talking about for a year, uh, if not more. So, um, he, he check out his website. You know, go get a hold of Sean and and pick his brain about what's going on. So, Sean, if folks wanted to do that, what's the best way for them to figure that out? Our website is at Hackett H A C K E T T Advisors.com. They can download a sample report. Some they can look at some of the interviews we've done. Um, you know, to see if what we're doing and how we approach things with our work would be a value to your listeners. So, yeah. One of the things Sean and I did do a uh, interview with Dr. Um, Valentina Zarkova to talk about what's going on with the grand solar minimums and, and what and some of the work she's been doing on that. 
Um, I am going to have that out next week, and Sean and I will have a be a two part series. Look for a third part coming in February sometime. But uh, it'll be a two part series. Sean and I will introduce each episode as to what what's going on there. A lot of great information. A lot of uh, very well explained to the to the layman. If I understand it, anybody can understand it. Trust me. So it's uh it's good stuff. So Sean, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, Casey, it's always a pleasure. I love talking about agriculture, and I certainly love talking about agriculture with you. I just it's a blast. So thanks, man. I appreciate that. If you want to find me, look me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you can find all the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com. You can find everything that has to do with Moving Iron there. The Moving Iron Summit coming up in September 15th through the 17th. Sean's going to be a speaker there. He's going to have some very uplifting information about what's <laughs> going to be happening with the weather and going on there. And, and oddly enough, the, the way things kind of worked out here, there's going to be a great window to and into what's coming here because a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about could be happening by that time. So Sean, uh, uh, look forward to being there and some great information is always going to come out of that. So thanks a lot for being a part of that. Um, also check out uh, the global ag network and the great broadcasters out there. And with that, I am Casey Seymour with moving iron podcast and Sean Hackett with Hackett financial. Let's go do some iron folks out. Find us here Moving on